We turn to God's Word, to the Holy Scripture. Again, two places we read on this Lord's Day for the sermon, 1 Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll read verses 10 through 15 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, 10 through 15. And then we're going to turn to Matthew 4 once more, this time looking at verses 8 through 11 of Matthew 4. You can find the Deuteronomy passage on page 284, the Matthew passage on page 1500. These words from the book of Deuteronomy starting at verse 10 of chapter 6. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. And his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Those words from Deuteronomy 6, and now these words from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. We come to the third temptation of Christ as it's recorded in Matthew's Gospel here, verses 8 through 11. Again, the devil took him, took Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. And angels came and attended him. Thus our reading from God's holy word. And may he indeed bless it to us. It's hard to live by faith, not by sight. To live by faith is to live by what you can't see. By faith, you can't calculate it. You don't have it figured out. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and then because of this, this will follow, and then I will have, and I, yep. Then it's easy. It's easy to know the ending of the story you've already read, the ending of a novel you've read before. Maybe the first time you read it, you're on pins and needles. Oh, how is this going to happen? Oh, what's going to take my ne Oh, and then it turns out the way you wanted and if you read it again, relax. You have foresight. You already know. But 
to walk with God in obedience, to trust Him through trials, to wait upon Him in prayer, requires that we live by faith, not by sight. And that's hard. Jesus is being tempted here to live by sight, not by faith. Here's the kingdoms. Here's the answer. You're a king, right? Here are the kingdoms. You're the holy son of God, right? You're Messiah. You're here to lay claim to the earth. You're here to lay claim to the kingdoms. Here they are. Live by sight, not by faith. The church has been tempted throughout the ages to live by sight, not by faith. To live by what it can calculate. To live by its bank book. To live by finesse or power or alliance with worldly power to get the sword on our side, and we'll show them. That was a temptation already when they came to arrest Jesus. Peter was pretty handy with a sword. Peter was a tough guy. He didn't want to get in Peter's way. Peter had been a zealot. Peter was a guy who was ready to go to war against Rome for the Jews, for their liberation. Ready to die. He wants to live by, not by faith, but by sight. What this sword can do. What some shedding of blood can do. We'll show them. And the church can be perpetually tempted to think it can think its way to victory. Finesse its way to victory. Outmaneuver the enemy. Nice its way to victory. And of course, we should be have forethought. We should practice hospitality. We should be nice and loving in a genuine way. But that's not the victory. Faith is our victory. God is the victor. His Christ is. It's very important we grasp this as we see our Savior in his office as the Christ now facing this last temptation. So far, Jesus has walked in the way of faith when he quotes the words of Scripture back in the devil's face. He's trusting what God says, not, not what the devil says. Temptation's always that. The, Lord, the devil comes to tempt you, to, to pull you away from devotion to the Lord. And it's always, don't trust God because he's not square, he's not straight, he's not faithful, he's not good, he's not true. You run all the way back to the very first chapters of the Bible, and there you find Adam first Adam, with Eve made God's vice regents over the creation, have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over every creeping thing, over the wild animals, over the livestock, over everything. You exercise my kingship as the image bearer of me 
over this creation as a fellow creature with creation. You exercise this dominion. And now, but this you may not. You still are creature. There's limitations to your commission here. And you can eat all, every tree in the garden. This one, no. Live by my word. Live by faith. Not by sight. But it's desirable to eat. Yeah, isn't it? The devil comes and says, don't trust God. Live by, not by faith, but by sight. And they looked, and the food looked desirable. Surely you won't die, the devil says. Don't trust God. Follow your senses, man. Don't you know anything? God knows that you'll become like Him. You know, you can be the real God of this place. You'll become like Him, knowing good and evil. There's stuff God's kept from you. He doesn't want you to be God of this place. Well, you could be. If you just stop listening to him, don't live by every word that proceeds from his mouth. Don't live by faith. Live by your wits, your senses, your judgment, your wisdom. And so here, the kingdoms of the earth. We look at this temptation on the high mountain. It's a question of kingship. Who is king? It's a fundamental question. Putin? Trump? Pick one? Whoever's the big boss in China, I don't remember right off the top of my head. Are they king? You're king? I put my hope in who's ever the president I like the most for a while. My hope is built on nothing less than fill in the blank. We know we're supposed to say Jesus Christ in His righteousness. Is that really your only comfort, your only hope in life and in death? What is this kingdom temptation and how does Jesus rebuke it? As I said, this is about a kingship and kingdom issue, very obviously. If you reflect on it, in the first temptation, Jesus now newly commissioned as Messiah, coming out of the waters of baptism, he's tempted as prophet. Command, speak, prophet, son of God. Turn these stones into bread. Then he's brought to holy place, holy temple the place of sacrifice, of surrender, the place in which we're called to say, Thy will be done, and He'll be called to say, Thy will be done, not mine, all the way to the sacrifice as the Lamb led to the slaughter. He's tempted as our high priest. And now He's prophet, He's priest, He's also king. And now... What kind of king 
will he be? Who is king? To who, to whom do the kingdoms belong? Now it's important when you think about this to answer the question in your own heart, what reigns in your heart? That's a different question than who's king. Who's king can be an out there question, an information question. It could be a question you ask in catechism class. Catechumens, students, who is king of this world? Jesus is. And who rules and reigns in your heart? Who owns your desires and shapes them? Who do you surrender to and look for happiness from and look for uh, life's way and the direction of life from. You could say, well, you could say, well gee, do you? Or something else. Sometimes when we find ourselves tempted, we're doing, we're, we, well, inevitably, it's a version of what the first Adam and now the second Adam face is, are you ready to live by faith or by sight? Sometimes the path of faith is a path of difficulty, a path of financial sacrifice, a path of the trials of nurturing children in the home or grandchildren and saying, no, that's not the right way, that's not a God-honoring way, that, that path won't bless your life, it will wound your life, and then there's opposition. No, that program isn't something wholesome for you to watch. How do you know? It's not doing any harm. You know by faith, by instruction in God's Word, believing what God says. That's how you know. You trust His Word. You trust His command. You know this, that the path of blessing is a path of obedience, not because your obedience earns blessing, but this is a certainty. The path of disobedience will never be the path of blessing because your disobedience earns God's judgment. Your obedience doesn't earn blessing but it's the path along which God's pleased to bless because he's never pleased to bless and doesn't bless disobedience. But it takes God's word to believe that because we look around, well, unbelievers are blessed. Unbelievers don't believe. Unbelievers don't serve God. Unbelievers don't put him first. Unbelievers don't hallow his name. They don't pray, kingdom come, thy will be done. Unbelievers don't care. And there's all kinds of unbelievers. Their marriage is better than mine, or their wife is prettier, or his, her, my, their husband makes more money, and he's more gentle and kind. And besides, he, he knows how to have fun with the kids and encourage them. Unbelievers seem to be doing pretty good without Jesus. They live by sight without faith. Whose word do you believe 
Satan comes to Jesus, takes him to a high mountain. And there, no longer in a desert solitude, no longer in a holy temple, simply a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. I want you to imagine this a moment. Because everyone, at one time or another, dreams of stuff. Man, you know, sure be nice to have that cottage on Lake Michigan that was just this way. I'll, I'll do a Midwest thing, because where I grew up, who gives a fly and flip about a cottage on Lake Michigan? But it's a big deal around here. So, you know, a certain cottage on Lake Michigan with this kind of sight and scenery and arrangement and no, not too many neighbors and this sort of beach and, uh, and then the appointments of this house just this way and the community where I can drive and get groceries and do stuff and there's, oh, and a little lake where I can put a little boat on it and, you know, and then there's the right sort of other community about it where I, and everyone can dream their little dream or big, dream bigger dream. And those are just little tiny material kingdoms. The devil shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the earth, past kingdoms, present kingdoms, future kingdoms. The kingdom of the United States of America, its most opulent places, the palaces, the beautiful women, the beautiful beaches, the beautiful mountain slopes, the beautiful this, the finest restaurants, the most well-appointed wardrobe, the neatest, coolest people to hang out with, ha, 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 and all that goes with it. Do I have to get central about it too? That too. He shows them it all. Everything the world could offer. Everything that a sinful heart could want. Everything that a righteous heart could, at least to some degree, conceive. Like here you have the kingdom of, or the empire of Rome. The very kingdom oppressing the Jewish people. This kingdom in my hand, under my sway. Here, Jesus, it's yours. Now you can do with it what you want. You want to crush the Caesars? Crush them. You want to liberate your people? Liberate them. You want to make yourself high and mighty because shouldn't you be? You're the holy son of God after all. Shouldn't you have your place? You could be God of this place. Hmm, it seems like we're back to Genesis now. Here it is in plain view. Live by sight, not by faith and dependency upon God. There it is. Take it. On my terms, not God's terms. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. It's a, a tip of the hat, man. But so is taking fruit from a tree in which God said... No. It's just one little bow of the knee. Then it's done. It's over. It's past. We can go. You can go on. Here, husband, look at this. 
It will make us wise. We'll know good and evil. It's very delightful for food. What's the harm? Only that I'm living by, not by faith, but by sight, and I'm not living by the, every word that proceeds from God's mouth, and I'm not trusting Him, and He's not the one alone I love and serve and trust and depend on. Somehow that shifted to me, myself. I trust my wisdom, my judgment, my word. And what pride that you would think and count yourself puny little creature who can't even sustain yourself in being one moment it takes God to do that that you have the wisdom and know how to give God a flunk and yourself a pass and you'll walk your will and your way and not his The devil is called the prince of this world, the prince of the power of the air. The nations are likened in Revelation 20 as that which are bound or chained, or the devil is, so that he can't deceive the nations all the way, but he does, right? The nations of the earth aren't God-honoring, Christ-glorifying, bow the knee to King Jesus, mostly composed of people who care about money and power and the kingdom of the world stuff, the devil showed Jesus. And that's what they want. That's what they're after. That's what matters. It's about business and commerce and money and vacations and opulence and comfort and nice restaurants and, and all the stuff money can buy, sexual pleasures, harems, whatever you want. You take your pick. We have it in our own country, scandals, a country where freedoms run amok. Freedom is a perversity. People use it with perversity. Wealthy people using underage girls for sexual favors and the like. He hangs himself in his prison cell. Or does he? <laughs> I'm cynical enough to wonder about that one. Or does he? Too many powerful people to be exposed. We've got to deal with this. Shameful, scandalous, kingdom of the world stuff. Worldly kingdom, disobedience. Here, Jesus, you can have the kingdom. The kingdoms are yours. You're the one who will teach the people to pray, thy kingdom come. You're the one from your word where we'll hear the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of of God and of His Christ. Revelation 11. Here it is for the taking. See, live by sight. But the way of faith then is a way of obedience. The way of faith is no shortcuts to glory. The way of faith is a way of suffering. A way of betrayal. A way in which his most devoted followers scatter. 
a way in which he's delivered in the hands of the Roman authorities, a way in which the religious clergy and the political movers and shakers of his own people all conspire together to hear a mob say crucify and consent. Yes, exactly. A way in which he'll know estrangement and abandonment of the Father as our sin-bearer. A way of shame and terrible suffering, not only physically, but suffering of soul. A way in which it's a great cost to purchase sinners and set them free. It's a way of walking by faith to do God's will. Not the shortcut way of by sight, give Satan a nod and now I can do what I want. You see, David was a king. David's son would be king. But even David had to learn that his kingship needed to surrender to God's word. So again, I ask, who's your king? And again, I know you already know the answer. Well, God is king. And I pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But to pray that in earnest, then you have to pray that by faith, not by sight. And I say that because, congregation, you look around the world and if you'll admit what we see, what we calculate, we would have to conclude by our little limited vision, and I'm emphasizing, I'm not saying what we see is right. I'm saying this is when we live by sight, we're losing, not winning. When we live by sight, well, the country's just getting worse all the time. Western Europe used to have some big Christian sensitivities, and now that's all become secular, and, and it's all abandoned. If, if we live by sight, then it, it, it's all hopeless. The church is always changing. It's not like when I was a child. Boy, churches used to be packed to the rafters, and what's happened? If you live by sight, we're losing, not winning. The faithful seem to be getting smaller, not bigger. But when you live by faith, then you know the Lord will never leave us or forsake us. When you live by faith, then you know it's not up to us to grow the church. It's up to us to be faithful as the church. When you live by faith, then you know God's word shows there is an ebb and a flow where one place the church once flourished, another place where it once wasn't at all is now flourishing. We don't see everything. We shouldn't try to live by sight because you're not all seeing. We're not all knowing. We're not all powerful. But there's one who is all seeing and all knowing and all powerful. And when you live by faith, you live in confidence of the one who can take that which is nothing and make new beginnings. You live by the one who can say, hey, I can take from these stones and make children of Abraham. I can take a valley of dry bones and create living flesh. All I need 
is to say, prophesy, and so speak my word. I'm the one who brings resurrection from the dead. Live by faith. And you won't say, oh devil, give me the kingdoms, give me a shortcut. It's just a little disobedience, just for a moment. It's never the path along which God blesses. So Jesus rebukes him straight out, doesn't he? Isn't it interesting that the one who is king exercises kingship, his very own? Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. Who can boss the devil around Jesus? Did you know that? He bosses the demons around, remember? Demons see him, oh, don't torment us. Come out, do this, not that. The demons are basically, yes, King Jesus, you say jump, we'll say how high. Be gone, Satan. Get out of here. It's, it's strong language. It's made very polite here. Away from me. You know, like shoe fly, don't bother me. That's way too weak. Be gone! And the devil must comply. Because Jesus is king. And he adds again a quote from Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Not you, him. Yeah, what should the first Adam have said even as he used his beloved help me Eve as part of his temptation strategy? No, I trust God, not your lies. I'm going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. We reign quite good as and quite contented as those who serve the only king of the universe, our maker and our creator. We find our joy in the path of obedience, not disobedience. Do you? Now we live in a broken world, a fallen world, where Adam's children accept in Jesus, in the second Adam, we become new creations. Jesus exercises his own kingship and bids us, since we're found in him, that's who we are, new creatures in Him. In fact, our own catechism says that we bear the office of Christian in Him so that we are prophets, priests, and kings. And if you remember Lord's Day 12 of the catechism, our royal office, our kingly office we exercise means that we fight the good fight of faith against the devil and his cause. We fight against his allurements and lies. We don't 
we don't come uh, weak need and doubting, but rather we fight the good fight of faith against the world and temptation and the devil. In Jesus' name, resist the devil and he will flee from you, says the Word. Sometimes that's exactly what we don't do. Oh, I just don't know why, why I'm falling in all these temptations over again. I don't know why I have such a temper or why I just like to gossip about people or why I'm so judgmental or I just don't know why I, I just... I tend to doubt God so much, I, I, I just can't figure it out. Why, why, why you know, I, why, I, I don't know. It's because you don't ask God or tell the devil in God's name, go away, these are lies, I won't listen to them. Instead, we invite them in and we have tea with them. We sit there and we mull over all this stuff and we waller around in our heads some of these ideas. Hmm, yeah, maybe I should worship the devil and get some kingdom glory for him. Maybe I should doubt God and go this way. Maybe I shouldn't read the Bible. Maybe I shouldn't pray. Maybe eh, it doesn't work anyway. So that's why you pray, by the degree it works. And then you wonder why you're you're losing and not winning. Christ was anointed as Messiah with the Holy Spirit to be prophet, priest, and king. He resists the devil. He contradicts him. Notice the devil's pulled off the facade. No quoting scripture, no finesse, no appeal to his physical needs. It's simply raw unbelief. Worship me, not God. Here's the glory I offer. And Jesus lives by God's word. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Do we? If it looks like we are losing, could it be that the North American church is trying to serve two masters? I mean, let's be honest. I remember what I was like when I was 19 and what I'm like now some I gotta do the math here. About 40 years later. You know what I didn't care about being a Christian when I was 19? Not very much, anyway. Wealth, comfort, insurance, bank accounts. I knew some of this was needed, but that's not what it's about, man. As I got older, I cared about all that stuff more and more and more and more and more. Am I trusting God more and more? Even if you have bank accounts and a cottage on Lake Michigan and a nice vacation. and The question is not whether you have that or not. It's whether it has you. 
whether it has your heart, whether it's your source of happiness, it's the pivot around which your life revolves, then it's an idol. And if you didn't have it, is that okay? You're still God's child, and you can still serve Him with the capacity He gives you. Is that okay? Or you can only be happy if you're this wealthy or that next step of wealthy. Maybe that's what's wrong with the North American church. Maybe that's why God's letting it lose and not win. Because it needs to relearn, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Not serve Him besides Love your own wife and love her only, not love her and someone else. We get it that way, right? Yeah, my wife loves this other guy. She says she loves me, but she loves the other guy too. What? I love the Lord my God. I serve and worship Him and other things. Him only. To live that way, you have to live by faith. That this way is the abundant life. That Jesus is enough. That He is the way, the truth, and the life. Live by faith, not by sight. And when the devil would contradict that, away from me, Satan, in Jesus' name, I will not give it ear, I will not give it heed, I will not pay attention, I won't roll it around in my head to evaluate. No! Be gone. For we don't live by bread alone, we don't live by what we can calculate. We don't live by wonder works. We live by the Word who became flesh and died arose again and will come again as King of glory to judge the living and the dead. Amen. Lord, give your church such faith Help us to worship you alone. Forgive us that we haven't. Forgive us, Lord, that there's too much compromise, worldliness in your church, too much chasing after the kingdoms of this world while we pray thy kingdom come. Forgive us, Lord. Heal us. And we pray that the one who is our king would be none other and only you, the Lord our God, and his Christ. How we long for the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdom of our Lord, of our God, and of his Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen.